You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It's Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders! And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, out of the gate, JT with you on a busy day today. One of the busiest days of the year, the biggest transaction day in the NFL, and we're proud to be on the flagship. Of the Silver and Black, one of only 32 here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM and the Raiders mobile app. Uh, Your place to be here as the roster will be made official here at the top of next hour. So our goal today is to be interactive, to talk to you about some of the players that are going to be here, some who are not, some who are hopefully going to go to the practice squad and be still in the Raider organization, and then other players that are good and the Raiders are in a good place. They say goodbye to players. They made a trade today. Uh, They're very active. This is a busy day for Dave Ziegler. I am not touching Dave Ziegler today. No Texas. No, hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I just want to know what's going to happen at 1 o'clock. All I want to do is have the list of one, uh, read it to you, and then hopefully we'll talk to Dave Ziegler pretty soon here and some of the players who made the team and a lot that's happening going on. I know I'll be the MC of the state of the team. That's a big Raiders broadcast coming up on Thursday night. Season ticket holders aware of that. It'll be live streaming from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. The president of the team, Sandra Douglas Morgan, along with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I hosted that last year. It was a really big show, and I'm prepping for that all week for Thursday night. And then we got a long weekend, and we'll come back on Tuesday after Labor Day, and it'll be full countdown. Full countdown for the Denver Broncos, which I am super excited about. That's a, all these games are winnable games, and there's no such thing as a must-win week one, two, three, four. But this is a pretty important game, and we're going to go deep and hard on the Broncos very quickly. I can actually start today, considering that this is kind of like the last of our summertime radio shows, as we're wrapping it up here, and we start and we go Richter scale 10 next week on the importance of Denver. But if you want to get a Denver call in and you're going away for Labor Day, you're not going to be back till middle of next week. I'm here to talk about the Bronco game, but more about transactions today, roster cuts, and what's going to happen going forward here with the silver and black. Like I said, it's one of the it's one of the better 90-man rosters I've seen the Raiders have. So I knew the decisions were going to be cut. And we find out today that Neil Farrell Jr. is traded to Kansas City in exchange for a six-round pick. So that was reported on earlier today. Also, uh, per NFL Network and Ian Rappaport, Damian Williams is cut along with Keelan Cole and Philip Dorsett. Now, I would have got that one wrong. I thought Philip Dorsett was going to make the roster. Ian Rappaport, quote, the Raiders have released wide receivers Keelan Cole and Philip Dorsett, sources said, and both veterans could be back on the practice squad. Okay, they could be. That makes it obvious now for Cam Sims and the depth bringing in Trey Tucker. 
what they have with Hunter and Devontae and Jacoby Myers. I, I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. But Philip Dorsett is a pretty good player. But they drafted Trey Tucker, who's younger than Philip Dorsett and is supposed to be better. He is. He better be better than Philip Dorsett. And Philip Dorsett's a hell of a player. They took Trey to come in and be someone who could do things on the field. This is the field only that Henry Ruggs was looking to do and starting to come into that player. And then what we see with the Cheetah over from Kansas City and Miami when we look at a great player in Tyreek Hill. I'm not comparing him to Tyreek Hill. I'm comparing his impact as the type of player he's supposed to be. So am I shocked Shocked that Keelan Cole is gone? No. He made a huge catch. Everybody forgets on the Chandler Jones interception. Remember that? that we don't get there unless Keelan Cole makes an unbelievable corner end zone catch. Good player. Really good player, Keelan Cole. But he's a fifth or sixth wide receiver or seventh wide receiver. And Philip Dorsett, who I thought would be on this roster, I thought he might have had an advantage over Cam Sims just because of the fact that he's a former Patriot. But no, Cam Sims, as of now, and that doesn't mean a lock on anything, he's a red zone guy who can make plays. So that's where we're at with the Raiders here. Those are a couple of big moves. If you want to jump in on any of the moves that we know already, 702-365-9200. And come on in, and maybe for the first hour, you can have some fun here in a way. Maybe try to save a player, right? Maybe try to save a player. If I didn't know about Philip Dorsett until the top of next hour, and we have it now, that would have been a good topic for the first hour. Let's try to save Philip Dorsett. Wouldn't have worked. He's not on the roster. Okay, so they're able to move on from that. And I think a lot of radio media is a bit surprised by that. To Sean Reed, 44 minutes ago, Dorsett is a bit of a surprise, but had to figure he was playing for a spot when he played so much in the final preseason game. Will be interesting to see if the Raiders keep five or six wide receivers. Well, I mean, I know people listen to the show. I have the streaming numbers here in front of me. Does anybody listen to me? Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter, and Michael Mayer. There's one football. I don't care who the sixth receiver is. I want Devontae to get 15 targets a game. Josh is going to get 25 targets on the ground, maybe three in the air. Michael Mayer is going to get three, four, or five. Jacoby Myers is going to get six or seven. Hunter Renfro is going to get how many? I don't know, say five? What are we talking about with a sixth or fifth wide receiver? What, what are we talking about? What, what are we talking about with the sixth defensive back if he's not going to play? I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys who are going to put this team on the map. Now, Neil Farrell's interesting because he's a recent draft pick. And it's Deshaun Reed, and I'm reading from Deshaun, Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Tafer, Deshaun and Vic over at The Athletic. I thought this was a good tr- uh, tweet about Neil Farrell played just 158 snaps last year for the Raiders. Drafted him in the fourth round. He missed time in OTAs and training camp and ultimately fell too far behind in a crowded defensive line room. Very good tweet. Very accurate. You missed some time here under Josh McDaniels. You missed some time. Go ask, go ask how missing time works with Josh McDaniels. Go ask Darren Waller. Go ask Darren Waller what it's like to miss time in this organization. Okay, If you're not available, you're not going to play for Josh McDaniels. It's the Belichick tree. If you're not available, and even if they draft you, they draft you and you're a good player. If you don't progress and get better, 
they will cut you or trade you. Now, not every pick's going to be perfect, right? This is Neil Farrell. He was just here, okay? Under this regime, if you look at the player he is, I I was the first to interview him at the draft lunch, and I was blown away. I'm like, this guy's sharp. And this guy is sharp, and he comes from a big-time program, and I was hoping that this kid would make it, and he didn't make it. He came out of LSU, LSU, and didn't make it here. And now with Byron Young, we get a defensive tackle from Alabama. And if he doesn't make it, he's not going to be here long term. This franchise has been looking for a defensive tackle since Daryl Russell was here. Went to the Pro Bowl his first two years. Unfortunately passed away. He had personal issues off the field. He was the last defensive tackle to come in here and be great early. And they got a whole bunch of guys in that room. And one of them better bleep and pop. One of them, I'm not asking for Richard Seymour or Warren Sapp or Daryl Russell. I'm asking for a guy who doesn't have to be rotated out of the position because he's not good enough to be a star. As I've often talked about, as I've often talked about, this team has got to develop potential Pro Bowlers. Not everybody's going to make the Pro Bowl. Not everyone's going to be Max Crosby. But they have to have guys who are trending towards going to the Pro Bowl. I give you that great example, I believe, with the best example I could give you is Nate Hobbs. What is Nate Hobbs this year? Can someone help me on this topic? What is Nate Hobbs? Is Nate Hobbs a guy? Or is Nate Hobbs going to pop and have a big year playing cornerback in the slot with the ability to play cornerback on the outside? In my world, and I am not a defensive coordinator or a player evaluator, In my world, if it was perfect, Nate Hobbs would be one starting corner and the other would be Marcus Peters. I don't care about the slot. I know he's good in the slot. But I want him to develop Nate Hobbs into a guy that you say, man, we got to make him a cover corner. He's he's just, he's that good. So him, he's going to be important this year. Let me give you another name of a player that's on the clock, has to develop. Trayvon Merrick, good player. Very good player. He's got to develop into being a borderline player. Great player, elite player now. He's been in the league long enough. He's got help with Marcus Epps at the other safety position and Marcus Peters, a veteran who's in the room on the defensive side there to kind of clean up his game and make him pop. And that's it. That's all we're talking about today. Who's going to make the team? Who's going to be on the practice squad? And, again, we are not the official show of the practice squad. (laughs) The practice squad's great. You get to park in the parking lot. You get to practice with the team. You get to eat with the team. You're a valuable member of the team. We're trying to talk about the playoffs and the starters and who's going to pop on this team this year. Uh, Von Miller will start the season on the active pup list, which means he will not play in the Raider game. That's interesting. I don't root for injuries, but not having to deal with Von Miller in that game healthy is a big deal because, remember, the Buffalo Bills are on the short week that week. Okay, so we play on Sunday against Denver, and they play on Monday, and they're on a short week. And the Raiders are going to change up their travel to make sure they're very much ready for the Bills coming up here. So that's what we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. What do you think about the Raiders doing a trade with the Chiefs? That's interesting. No no one had that one. Nobody. So nobody should have it because Dave Ziegler is doing dinner with Josh Jacobs getting a deal done and obviously doing a deal with Kansas City, moving Neil Farrell and getting a six-round pick for that. That's an interesting move. I didn't expect that one to happen.
So who do you want here today? The Raider roster is going down to 53 from 80. And I want to know who you think are the players that should be saved here. Remember, Britton Brown, Jacob Hollister, Isaiah Zuber on season-ending injured reserve. The news yesterday, including Chase Garbers, Ike Brown, Bryce Crosby at cornerback, German at guard, uh, Thompson and Lacey are gone here. And the Raiders here, there's just a couple of really close players yet. Are you surprised about Philip Dorsett? Not making this roster in Keelan Cole. Let's open up the phones and get some people awake today. We're a flagship. We can't have the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns doing a better show than mine because they don't have the guys who can do it at my level. We got to be better than the Cleveland Browns, the Jaguars, and the New Orleans Saints from noon to 2 Pacific time because we're an NFL flagship that's very fast, very quick, and we react quickly. So let's get the black hole to the other fans in here. Before I wait to read this list at 1 o'clock, I want some interaction on some of the guys who are gone here at this time, and there's some good players that are hopefully going to be on the practice squad. And the practice squad is important because these guys can get called up. And Neil Farrell was a bit of a surprise for me today. And Drake Thomas has been released by the Raiders. As Vinny reported, he has to go through waivers if he clears, but no guarantee he's a strong candidate to be on the practice squad. Sam Webb and Isaac Rochelle are both practice squad possibilities for the Raiders after being released. So just a couple of players. Sam Webb, I think, is a good young corner with upside. But now that Marcus Peters is here, one one of those slots was going to be gone. I'm not losing sleep over that. But Drake Thomas had an opportunity here to play, and I would not be surprised if Drake Thomas gets picked up by another team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders pick up a linebacker from another team. That's one of the things that I've been really banging the table on. Where is the linebacker? The Raiders let go of a pretty good linebacker who can't make their roster at all in Drake Thomas. Well, I look at it two ways. It's not because the Raiders have this elite linebacker room with Masterson, Divine Diablo, and Spillane. I don't know. Could they be making that move because they're going to get another linebacker that we're not aware about that they're pretty confident that they can possibly get? And there's a lot of people who wonder, how, who are we going to get? How are we going to get from other teams? It doesn't really work that way. A lot of times the whole league lets go of players, and most of the other teams look at those players and go, we're not willing to give up much for that player. They're, they're going to go on that previous team's practice squad. Let's let them go. And then other times teams are desperate because of an injury, but we know who's injured by now and who's healthy. So by now, most of the teams and GMs around the league, player personnel guys, are pretty comfortable with the rosters they took to OTA's training camp and through the preseason. They're going to make cutdowns, and they're not desperate to go to another team's roster where they're cutting players to get a player. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If it happens for the Raiders, I think the best spot where it would be would be linebacker. Maybe a swing tackle after Brandon Parker went down. But the Raiders seem to be very confident with this offensive line. And how many offensive linemen are they going to have on this team? What, what's the number you're comfortable, seven to nine, the players that are going to be here? They're going with the guys that they're developing, everybody. Okay, Colt Miller was here before Dave Ziegler got here. And now Dave is bringing in offensive linemen who are versatile that can play center guard, either left or right guard, maybe a little swing tackle. And he's going to let those guys play. And it seems like that's a good decision to make. That's one of the things that Dave's really good at. Versatile guys. 
It's the Patriot type of way. Do your job, and if someone gets hurt, be able to move from left guard to right guard and and make yourself available to play. Also, my big takeaway, sitting down with Josh McDaniels throughout the preseason on the broadcast, is he said it a few times to us, which is good for the broadcast. He said, basically, you you better be able to play on my special teams if you want to have a job playing. And that was something that I really – Love this preseason when Josh McDaniels made that clear. A bunch of these guys were going to get cut today. They were evaluated hard on special teams because the difference between keeping one more wide receiver or one more corner could exclusively come down to what they do on special teams. Because if you're not good enough to make his special teams and go down and cover punts and kickoffs, how the hell are you going to be the fifth or sixth wide receiver or the sixth cornerback? If you can't get on the special teams, you're not going to get on the field. And it's not it's, it's no good to Josh McDaniels. He needs guys who can play multiple positions. And I think that's important as they build out this roster. So if anything breaks ahead of time from Vinny or Vic or Tashawn or anybody else, we are all over it, all over it. I like Cam Sims. I like Cam Sims more than Dorsett. But I thought Dorsett would make the team more so with the Patriot connection and his reliability and to be a speed burner as they get Trey Tucker available. But I think the lesson we learned today is that Trey Tucker is going to play, man. This guy's playing. He's going to be on special teams. He's going to be on jet sweeps. He's going to get passes behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to run the go route and try to take some of the double team away from Devontae if he can catch a couple of deep balls. So that's the kid they drafted. And I said, whoa. What's up with that pick? Well, they had a plan for him, and the plan is working for Trey Tucker here, who will be a valuable member of this team, along with Hunter Renfro, who last year was injured and now is at 100%, and Hunter's going to have to play well this year. All right, let's get out to the phones. We'll start off with Snake Man as he opens up the show on the flagship. Go ahead today. How you doing, JT? A couple doing things. Um, Farrell seems to me that maybe his conditioning was not very up to the snuff. Um, I was watching that last preseason game, and he was really dragging, I think. Uh, Matthew Butler, by the way, I thought looked pretty good in that. But I'm just wondering who's going to have that lead in their pants or that defensive tackle spot, that nose tackle spot. Every team needs to have at least one of those guys. I'm assuming now uh, that John Jenkins is probably yeah. going to make this team. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I, I, you, you nailed it with Jenkins and you know Tillery up front and what they're able to do with Byron Young, who's the new player that they're bringing in, uh, that's a guy that they have a spot for him. No doubt about that. So, overall, Bilal Nichols at defensive tackle. If you look at the defensive tackles that they have here and, and the roster and the players they wanted to develop with Adam Butler and the depth at that position, Jerry Tillery, who's a veteran overall, uh, Matthew Butler, as we talked about him in the past, and now we look at what they just did with Neil Farrell, Jr., I mean, they're trying to find the guy who's going to have the biggest impact, and that guy has got to be the new rookie out of Alabama. He's got to be able to come in. Oh, and I forgot Nestor Jade Silvera. How about yeah, Nestor Jade? N- Nestor Jade. Yeah, that's the guy that really uh, I'm yeah. really impressed with him, too. Yeah, so am um, I. The other thing, real quick, you, you mentioned Trey Tucker. I don't get a chance to go on too much with you, JT, but uh, I mentioned this to the other guys on the other show. It's Trey mm. Tucker to me, and I may be jumping the gun a little bit here, but right. um, he has the same body type, and he has the same type of movements. He's actually more explosive than a young Antonio Brown. I'm not saying mm. he's Antonio Brown, but if they can develop a guy like that because he has very nuanced route running this mm. guy, if you can shore those hands up, look out. 
Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, I wouldn't compare anybody to Antonio Brown. He's the one of the best wide receivers of all time. Of all time. Especially in the prime of his career. All time. But then mentally he fell apart. Mentally he fell apart and uh, he is very mentally unstable as we speak now. But Raiders had big plans for him before he mentally broke down. God, I remember that story. Oh, being right there with the air balloon when he showed up in Napa with the hot air balloon, the limo, the frozen feet. Nice guy, got along with everybody, had the kids on the sideline. We were like, man, we got Antonio Brown. He's got a lot left, and then he mentally, mentally just fell apart. He's got serious mental health issues, and it's a shame that it began, and the Raiders never had him and didn't have to pay him and got out of that move pretty quickly, but that was ugly at that time. Raider J is joining us on Raider Nation Radio. Go ahead. Hey, hey, JT. Hey, um, just wanted to call in. Mm-hmm. So with Hobbs and Morick, you know, I heard you talk about them, you mm-hmm. know, stepping up, and I hope they do too. But we haven't seen them. Maybe you've seen them mm-hmm. out at training camp, and I'd be curious to see what, what you think of them, you know, how they look. And, and Merrick looks great. Camp, Mer- it, Merrick looks know? great. Merrick had a good camp. He, he's getting his hands on the ball more. He's been told to do That's that. Good. So I think he – I don't know this to be completely completely 100%, but I'm sensing from talking to Patrick Graham, they've told Trayvon Merrick, you've got to be better now if you want to be here. You've got to break up more plays. You've got to be more aggressive. And I think with Marcus yeah. Epps there in the backfield and Marcus Peters in his ear, he's doing that. I like him. I've always thought he's a good player. I just think he plays too conservative on the back yeah. end. He plays too deep. And too much gets yeah. in front of them. That'll change this year. Hopefully, it's got to. Yeah. Well, we. Uh, I, I hope they. they uh, I hope so too. And and mm-hmm. with Cole and Dorsett, you know, I think and, and I hope they keep Cam Sims because mm-hmm. he's a big body guy. I heard it on one of your other podcasts. Yes. Where you were talking about Cam Sims and and um, and the other like Cole and Dorsett, uh, they're kind of like the same body frame, right? I mean, I know Dorsett's mm-hmm. got a lot more speed. But I think with Cam having that big body on the goal line, like you said, I think that's that gives him an edge. And then I just looked online with Neil Farrell, and um, they they made a comment that Chris Jones hasn't signed. With yes, the that's the, that's the reason so, why they did that. They that's yeah. a really good point that you make. And uh, Chris Jones says yeah. he could hold out the first eight weeks. He'll lose a tremendous amount of money if he's able to do that. But look, the points you're making are very valid. Thanks for the call. Is that what they want to do here is have younger players that are more explosive and smarter who are under contract control at a cheaper price than veterans. They want to get guys in here and develop young guys that don't cost as much. But you got to bring in some veterans. Marcus Peters was at the right price. I mean, there weren't a lot of offers for Marcus Peters around the league. There weren't. And the Raiders knew that he wanted to be here. And the longer he waited, the price came down, and they got a really good player. Really, really good player who hopefully has a lot left and doesn't get nicked up this year. Chandler Jones is someone, as of now, that trade has not worked. Well, that signing, excuse me, hasn't worked. They got Chandler Jones to come in and be a star. You know, 10 sacks, eight sacks minimum. He didn't show up the first four or five weeks of the season. Not that he didn't show up mentally. He was a great teammate. His legs didn't activate. He He didn't have the pop until later in the year. Then he started to come together, and he started to be an impact guy. They need him. We haven't seen much of him lately. This Michael Mayer kid, they drafted him in the second round. He's a first-round talent. We've seen him do some nice things and some other missed blocks. He's got to be ready to go week one. Week one, we play Denver. He's got to be ready to go. He caught every ball at Notre Dame. He caught every route. He he ran every route beautifully, caught every ball. He's got to be ready to block. 
And they got to get him up to speed to block pretty quickly here against Denver that's got a really good defense. So the players who are going to be here, not not the practice squad guys. We got time to talk about them. I'm talking about the guys who make the cut here in the next 40 minutes. Those guys got to come in and be ready to play. And I think that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, but I want to give this to Josh McDaniels, did an unbelievable job pacing these guys this year. Tremendous camaraderie. There was no background noise, even Josh Jacobs. No chirping, no background noise. Everybody gets along. I travel with the team. I'm on the plane. I'm at lunch with them. They're a great group. They are a great group. For now, they are together, and they're expected to be together. They're a good group of guys led by Max Crosby and Jimmy Garoppolo, who everybody in the league loves. There's not a problem within this organization as we cut down to 53. There isn't a peep out of anybody. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody gets along. Everybody's doing their job. There's not one Raider fan that can debate that point with me because they don't know crap if they do. Everything is lined up beautifully. Now go win games. I can't, I can't make you win games. But I can tell you about the players and what I know about the players and what I text with them and talk to them about and what I hear. And all I'm telling you is the team is aligned beautifully right now. Much better than Denver and what Sean Payton's dealing with over there with the injuries. Looks like a mash unit over there. We don't know if Russell Wilson's going to be able to play elite anymore or whatever, but Sean Payton will probably figure it out. But this organization, with all the crap that they've been given from the national media who don't know the roster, don't know the players, don't know the rotation of the players, don't know nothing, all of a sudden, they're not destroying the Raiders every day anymore. I think some people actually looked around from Lewis Riddick to Peter Schrager to people from NFL Network and said, not bad, not bad. Raiders look okay. They got some good players on this team. But these players have got to be better this year. We open up on the road three of the first four games. It's go time. It's go time right after Labor Day on us on the radio here. And today we take a look at the new roster at the top of the hour. The monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Make sure you head out. Today's a great day to go. Every day's a great day to go to PTs. But how about today if you're a Raider fan and you want to go over the roster? You want to just hang out there and have a happy hour brew from 5 to 7? Sit there and get it going. And for PT's Taverns, they want to thank you for making them best of the year every year. It's that time again to cast your vote for PT's in the Review Journal, Best of Las Vegas for categories like Best Happy Hour, which they always win, Best Sports Bar, and more. Just go vote at PT's Tavern. You can do it on their Facebook page, on social media. PT's fuels the monologue as we open up the show. Jeff Sherman. Our gambling insider, vice president over at the sports book at the Westgate, risk management. He'll join us in about 15 minutes. And more understanding from the Raider fans on social media and on the phones about what this roster needs to look like. Last call for your favorite player to make the team. 702-365-9200. Thanks to PT's Taverns. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by The Botanist Gin, the number one fastest-growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with The Botanist Gin. 
Yeah, the Botanist Gin is part of our Remy Martin team. Remy Martin team up for excellence, and we have a bunch of events and activations. That's what they, they didn't call that back when I started in radio. They called them radio remotes. Now they call them activations. Uh, they're going to activate me at a couple of events this year, and we're excited about that. So with Remy Martin team up for excellence, the Quantro, the Margarita, the birthday of the Margarita. Wow, I'm just excited to be out on the road with them a bunch. Remy Martin team up for excellence. So we're going to take a look at what's happening around the rest of the league, too, as other good players are going to get released today. I have a NFL Network and NFL.com up here in front of me as they're talking about some of the other cuts and some of the bigger ones in the news cycle that is going to happen today. It looks like DeMar Hamlin is going to make the Bills' 53-man roster, and considering he almost died on the field in Cincinnati last year, that's a good story for him. Patriots are trading their kicker. Nick Folk to the Titans. Saints releasing veteran quarterback Bradley Roby ahead of the deadline here. Saints have been active. Uh, the Broncos acquire the kicker Will Lutz from the Saints in a trade. We told you about Von Miller is going to be on the pup list here. And some of the late uh, analysis on some of the teams here. Good, good teams have good rosters. The Chris Jones news with Kansas City is very important because he's a good player. And that would be great if he's not around for the first eight games. I got no problem with that. You take away the best pass rusher on the Kansas City Chiefs, you will get no complaints from me. And then Dallas. We just got back from Dallas, Raiders' last preseason game. And a huge topic today in the NFL last two days is what was Jerry Jones thinking? Talking about getting Trey Lance and not letting Dak Prescott know. How do you do that without letting Dak know? Well, I think Jerry didn't even let Mike McCarthy know. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was doing a media tour. He was on CBS talking about Trey Lance and this move and what happens because he knows Lance really well as they played together for a few years. Um, you know, excited for Trey. Just a uh, new opportunity for him. You know, things didn't work out in San Francisco for whatever reasons, but uh, glad that he gets another shot, man. This this league's all about opportunities. And, you know, when you get a fresh one like that, uh, you just got to take advantage of it. You know, these, everyone has their own path and everything like that. It's never going to be easy, but just uh, how you come out on the other end of it. So I'm always excited for him, man. He's a brother of mine, always pulling for him. Now, look, I wouldn't do this to Jimmy Garoppolo with the Raiders, but if the Raiders didn't hit on Aiden O'Connell, Trey Lance would have been perfect for the Raiders, right? You bring him in as the number two. He's better than Hoyer probably down the road and Garbers, and you get Trey Lance, and you go, okay, we'll park him behind Jimmy G, but you don't do that to Jimmy G. Jimmy G had to deal with that in San Francisco. And now Dak Prescott's got to deal with that. So why would Jerry do that? It's just an alarming move overall. We were just there, and I'm telling you, Will Greer played great. He tore up the Raiders threes and fours, the defenders for the Raiders. But for Jimmy Garoppolo now, players pushing each other, competition, he was asked about it. Uh, well, I think it's similar to most most positions. I mean, I figured out there's always a younger guy trying to come in, and you know, obviously the coaches want a younger, cheaper player who could do, uh, do something that they think is better than you, but... It's uh, that's what makes this league so great, man. It pushes you. Having Trey and you know whoever it was the Niners drafted, that was gonna push me and make me a better player, and I came out better on the other end from it. So, I think it's all about perspective. You gotta, uh, you gotta realize where you rank in this whole thing, and just uh, what an opportunity this is to be in the NFL, to be an NFL quarterback. It's uh, it's not easy, but you you gotta love it, man. Yeah, what's great? You see what Jimmy said at the end. He said you gotta love it. It's not easy, but you have to love it. And that's what I like about Jimmy Garoppolo is that you're not going to rattle him. You're not going to rattle him at all. 
and he doesn't deserve to be rattled here in Las Vegas. Okay, when there was talk about the offseason quarterback, Tom Brady, of course I was all in on that. Aaron Rodgers, of course I was all in on that. Aaron Rodgers ended up with the Jets. He could have been a Raider, but they didn't want to spend that type of money on a guy on a one-year or maybe a one-and-a-half-year deal or whatever it was. I get that. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, that's where the energy turned to, and the energy's been great. There's been no problems with Jimmy G. And Jimmy G's not looking over his shoulder now. I don't believe he's looking over his shoulder at Aiden O'Connell. But Aiden O'Connell lit up the preseason at times, and a lot of Raider fans said, you know, Jimmy G does get banged up a lot. I don't like reminding you that Jimmy G gets hurt. You remind me of that too much. So I'm not going to participate in that crap of, oh, Jimmy G's never healthy. Jimmy G's going to get hurt eventually. I don't do that. But you guys, as they say in Goodfellas, do it enough. You always tell me that Jimmy G this, Jimmy G's going to be that. No, Jimmy G's healthy starting the season in Denver. But Aiden O'Connell can play. And if you had to break the glass and bring him in here and you're down six with 245 to go, I know the ball's going to come out really quick and he's going to make a good decision. But he's a young player. You know what I'd like to see when I was talking to someone in the building about with Aiden O'Connell is that the Raiders are blowing out teams in the fourth quarter. They're up 31-6, and Jimmy's out of the game. Get Jimmy out of the game, and let's keep Aiden O'Connell in there and hand off a few times and throw some third-down passes. But that's going to be tough until the Raider defense can prove that they can be a part of a blowout. You see, the problem with the Raiders from this regime and the regime before is that the defense played so poorly that they were never in blowouts. They were never easy games. The only game I remember that was relatively easy was that Eagles game, believe it or not, two years ago when we put up 30 unanswered on them. And that game was like, okay, they're better than the Eagles. We beat the Eagles at home. There's no stress. I'm walking to the post-game show. Yeah, no problem. Every other game's been a heart attack. Every other game, I'm peeking my head out of the Modelo Lounge going, oh, my God. This is like historic Chandler Jones interception. Runs it the other way. The Kyler Murray game running around for 20 seconds. Oh, my God. The Jacksonville game on the road. Up big. Game falls apart. What's some calmness this year? Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. Let's go into Buffalo where the media is saying, oh, the Raiders have no chance. That's the Bills' home opener. Bills are a Super Bowl team. No. Josh Jacobs is getting the ball constantly and picking up first downs, running where Von Miller would be, and move the chains. Next thing you know, 17-14, third quarter, Raiders have the lead. Fourth quarter, Raiders trailing 24-21 with the ball. Let's get in those games this year where the Raiders are in the game, they're playing at a high level, and there's no noise. There's no noise. The play's coming in on time. Oh, my God, Jimmy's at the line of scrimmage. There's 16 seconds on the play clock, not three with Derek Carr. And Derek's a really good player. But last year, every time I looked up at the clock, there's three seconds. It's blinking. Three, two, and the ball snapped, and the other team's pinning their ears back. Let's get out of that this year, and let's play more efficient Josh McDaniel-style football, which I know it didn't happen last year. We only won six games. But all Raider fans know, and just don't say it's because of Tom Brady. Josh also worked with Matt Castle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones. The strength of Josh McDaniels is once you get the verbiage down and you understand the play and you've been in the system more than a year, it's easier to get the play in and run the play. Last year there was a really big big struggle to run the play and run it the way they practiced it. And I don't know how they practiced it last year. I wasn't sitting there 
in every practice, but I think they struggled from practice to the game because of the verbiage, the language, the lack of chemistry with the quarterback and the head coach. Now there's going to be no lack of chemistry. It's not allowed. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a pure veteran. He knows the place. He's been in this playbook. He should run the play smoothly. And hopefully they're going to be more efficient. If he's a wash and puts up the same numbers as Derek, Derek's going to put up nice numbers in New Orleans. Good for him. But Jimmy's got to put up better, more efficient numbers in the red zone. 702-365-9200. Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, thanks for calling in in New York. How are you, buddy? Hey, JT. How you doing, pal? And great job in the uh, preseason on the play-by-play. Thank really you. enjoyed you. Hey, hey, JT, can you explain to me how Vegas has the Broncos at minus four against the oh. Raiders open today? <laughs> four points? I haven't looked, Mikey. You're telling me the Broncos aren't three? You get three for being at home. You get three for being at home. They, they're making them four? Four and 43 in, a, in the hook on, on the under over. JT, they have no de- – their weaknesses, uh, 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 our defensive weaknesses going into the year of our defensive backs. They have their wide receivers are hurting. They're, am I missing something? I don't have the numbers to see where the public and the shops are going. But just to me, it looks so fraudulent that you might have to go with the Broncos. The Raiders, the one team I have confidence in every year is the Raiders against the Broncos. And how is it? My And, and Wilson did nothing to tell me that he's going to be able to get away from Mad Max and that defensive line, which is our strength on defense this year. JT, I'm missing something here. Yeah, well, you know, Mikey, you're a sharp, and you make me nervous when you say that because you know that the the bent noses know something, and, and they know something. Right. I, oh, here's what I would think. You're, you're a sophisticated gambler. I think they put that number at four to try to get some Raider money to come in on it before the game. Don't you think that number settles? I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at where it's at. It's at four across the board. Everywhere I'm looking, do you think they're putting it out there to try to bring it down to three? Uh, you, you know, you know, most of the bets from the public, but the shops are already in, and that's what you said. You, you nailed it, three and a half to four. But, JT, but then I slip over to the under rovers for the year. The rate is over six and a half mm-hmm. plus 108. So they're begging you to bet under six and a half, and they have the Broncos over eight and a yeah. half wins at minus 106. I, I, am I missing something on Denver? Is a coach that important that he's going to come in there and change the culture and he's going to have Wilson grow five inches? Wilson was horrible last year. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate it. That's really good information. We got Jeff Sherman coming up next. That's an example of a caller being better than the host. Right, So he brought up something I should have brought up. The Raiders are now a four-point underdog, and I will use that phone call in my interview coming up with the vice president of risk management over at the Westgate. What the hell's going on here with the Raiders? Six and a half wins total? Four-point underdog at Denver with Denver's whole wide receiver group out? What do they see that we don't see? Jeff Sherman will join us coming up next over at the Westgate. Good to hear from Mike in Staten, Italy. Good place to be. Good place to be here in Vegas for Labor Day. What are you doing for Labor Day? Oh, I went and saw the movie Oppenheimer last night. A brick review coming up next hour. Anywhere from one to five bricks. Oppenheimer last night. The previews alone were like 45 minutes. It was a long night for the wife and I at the theater. Long night. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence.
JT, back with you. Always a pleasure every Tuesday, every other Tuesday, but more so in the regular season. Jeff Sherman joins us, the VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate Superbook. And, Jeff, uh, what is this day like for you as the rosters get cut down? I know it's not enough to move the number at all, but all the personnel that you won't have to keep track of as we go from 90 to 53. Yeah, you don't see too much movement on a day like today, like you mentioned. Uh, we did have one line move. Uh, the Lions-Chiefs next Thursday uh, was Kansas City minus 6.5. It's down to minus 6. So Lions support showing up, but nothing to do with what's going on today, per se. We just had a caller on who set me up beautifully on this Bronco Raider game that I wanted to get with you on. Broncos minus 4. Uh, how does it look at your book there, considering Raider money comes in late and Will that number go from four maybe to three there? I thought the Broncos had a pretty up-and-down offseason compared to the Raiders, and the Raiders have won the last six out of seven in that rivalry. Well, we opened this uh, months ago, Denver minus three-and-a-half. It took some respected money on the Broncos, got as high as four-and-a-half. Now you've seen some of that Raider money show up. It's settled at minus four, like you mentioned. Uh, it could go back down, but it, it's tough with that resistance with some sharp play at three-and-a-half, so... Um, you've got opposing sides going on that mm-hmm. right now. All right. I want to ask you about another one, too, as we look out in over a week. The Dolphins and the Chargers. This is a really good game coming up early in the season at three. Chargers at three. Uh, you know, Miami catching three in this game. Minus, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins have a better roster than the Chargers, but the Chargers have the better quarterback. How do you see this one? Yeah, we opened this one, Chargers minus two and a half, and it's gotten support for the Chargers to get up to three. And they've been extremely popular in the future books this year, more so than Miami. For the Super Bowl, for the division, people think that if uh, Kansas City were to slip up as a division favorite, the Chargers are the team right there to take it from them. So uh, it's not surprising to see Chargers support. The one thing with the Chargers is, you know, traditionally they haven't had too strong of a home field there, moving up Mm -hmm. from San Diego to L.A. It's not like the Raiders or L.A.'s home team or even the Rams. So um, from that perspective, you tend to see more fans for the road team. But uh, this is an excellent game, probably the best game in the afternoon, and uh, we're looking forward to that one for a lot of handle. Yeah, the first, I'm wondering, the big handle on the Jets and Bills game, the first Monday night game, uh, Jets getting two and a half at home there, and they don't have much of a home field advantage for decades here, and Buffalo does, and this game being at MetLife here, a lot of Aaron Rodgers talk coming into this game, and the Bills are trying to figure out this 53-man roster. I don't think it's been as good as their 53-man roster the last couple of years. Yeah, and we did open this game pick them, and now it's seen Buffalo support one-sided up to two and a half, which is a pretty pretty big move at this point, but we're anticipating a lot more Buffalo money than Jets money. And I think a lot of people are on a wait-and-see approach with the Jets, willing to bet against them until the Jets can prove it on the field with this new roster. Jeff Sherman's our guest over at the Westgate. I'm going to jump around here. The Las Vegas Aces, the championship for the WNBA updated at minus 140. They've lost a couple of games here. Any concern here? Any money coming in for another team that surprises you? Well, it's not a surprise, but the Liberty are getting a lot of money. And the one thing is the Aces have a one-game lead for the best record right now. They really need to hold on to that. Uh, If they were to lose that to the Liberty, you'd see these odds swing, and the Liberty would then be the title favorite. So uh, it's really coming down to those two teams, not much from the outsiders, but the Liberty are really on the heels of catching them, and so the Aces really need to hold on. The schedule is favorable for the Aces for the remaining four games. 
Uh, so that shouldn't be a problem, but they really need to, to hold that one seed. Uh, Jeff Sherman's our guest. We go to college football with Harbaugh being the self-imposed three-game suspension. They don't play anybody early other than UNLV. A big, big local story here. What's changed with Michigan and some of the background noise there? And I, I'll follow up with USC. USC gave up a lot of points against San Jose State, but they showed how explosive they are on offense. Well, Michigan was funny because when the news broke about Harbaugh being suspended, initially we saw some money on East Carolina show up. But now that's subsided and everyone realizes it's not that big a deal. So the, the line's gone back up. It was 37, went down to 35. Now we're back to 36 and a half. So, you know, they're not putting too much stock in that. With USC, you're going to see a lot, <clears throat> not only with the spread. The spread has gone up this week from 35 and a half to 38 against mm-hmm. Nevada, but the total, because their defense isn't showing yet, uh, so that total's crept up to uh, 67 and a half at this point. That actually moved today. I want to go back to the tour championship with Victor Hovland and Shoffley. Man, did they both play great on Sunday? Hovland was just too tough, and you know the liability there, the money that came in on Hovland, money that came in right before the tour championship there. Tell me what you saw with Hovland and his dominance in that tournament and the week before. Yeah, I mean, what a two-week run that he had there. And, you know, he went into the tour championship in his position two shots back, so he was 5-1 to one odds to win it. So we, didn't, we weren't overwhelmed with support there. We did have a lot of Xander liability from the whole season. He was one of our larger liabilities. So uh, that was a tough sweat. But uh, Hovland now has cemented himself as the four, number four golfer outside of the top three. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a large shift in his master's odds that they were, you could have found him at 25 to one or higher just a few days ago. Anything north of 20 to one is a tough find, but he's solidified himself at 16 to one for the masters next year, right in that four spot. Yeah. You have him at 16 to one over with Xander Shoffley, Rory nine to one, Rom nine to one, and then Scheffler eight to one here. It just seems like Scheffler and Rom are going to be, you know, good favorites at the Masters for years to come, maybe a decade to come, with their strength and length at Augusta National. Yeah, and the, the only thing holding back Shuffle right now is his putting, and he really needs to figure it out because when he gets there in April, that's not a course to uh, have to figure it out on. Uh, finally, Jeff, as we take a look at the Ryder Cup, uh, what can you tell us here about the handle coming in early in Rome, Italy? I, I see you posted some odds to lift the trophy and the three-way point results. Tell us about that. Yeah, we've seen a lot of European support so far, and mm. rightfully so. They haven't lost on home soil in 30 years, so they have a, a strong side. The U.S. just announced the completion of their team today, which is strong in itself, but we've seen nothing but European support to go from plus 175 down to plus 130. It's getting to a range. I don't think it's going to move too much more, but uh, a lot of two-way, I think, at this point. Uh, it might creep down a little bit more, but... It was too high to start with, considering how strong Europe has been on home soil. Even though we have the better golfers, the more dominant golfers, 30 years since we won a Ryder Cup on foreign soil? Yeah, it's, wow. uh, it's a tough go because they, they really take this seriously and get up for it and had been much more so than the, the U.S. team. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week ahead of week one. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, JT. Uh, that's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, Senior VP of Risk Management. So five-time major champion Brooks Kepka was picked amongst uh, the players there. Zach Johnson, the team captain, made those announcements here. Johnson's other captain picks were Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, who has not played well, Ricky Fowler, who's coming on, Jordan Spieth, and Sam Burns. That is a great example, Danny, on why I never root for a foreign golfer. You hear what Jeff Sherman said? They take it more seriously than us.
So on every uh, fanboy, golf fanboy in Vegas, he's like, I hope Rory wins. I, I wish Rory wins the BMW. I hope Rory wins in Atlanta. I'm like, have you lost your mind? I go, root for the Americans first over the Euros because the Euros have kicked our ass for 30 years in the Ryder Cup in Europe. And now they're getting ready for Rome, and they're going to try to kick our ass again. I wave an American flag, not a European flag, even though my background of my life, my mom's from Ireland, my dad's from Italy. I root American, especially with the Ryder Cup. One hour down, one more to go. Just got confirmation from Levi Edwards. He's going to join us because he will have the final roster, which is coming out here in about three or four minutes as the deadline is here. Come on back. For the second hour of the show is the Raider. Deadline is here for the roster. And we got an insider who will join us and we'll go over the final 53 for the remainder of the show. Looking forward to this.